Hey everyone, welcome back to Tier Apologetics. Super pumped to joining us today. I have John, the counter apologist. Today we're talking about all things God and miracles. So, John, what's up, man? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate uh, coming on. Uh, Merry Mario, Merry Mario Day Eve. <laughs> one question for you before getting all the heavy stuff. Um, one of my friends texted me like 10 minutes before you did this and said, are there more Are there more chairs in the world or more wheels in the world? So what would you say, John? Chairs or wheels? Chairs or wheels. <whistles> you have to get the right answer here. Uh, I'm going to – so many things can count as a chair. Or maybe so many things can count as wheels. So I don't, <laughs> More doors I don't or wheels. Sticks. Sorry, I just butchered it. Doors or wheels. Wow. Doors or wheels? Yeah. Oh, geez. Uh I have, I'm agnostic. I guess doors. I'll guess doors. <laughs> you lack a belief. Um, I lack a belief. I think yeah. wheels. Instead of my friends, now we convinced one of our guys. They're like, no, dude, it you're could dumb. Be. It's, so many it's things wheels. can count as a wheel, mm-hmm. right? That's like, so think about all the cars that every child has that they play with. Like, that all adds up. So it's true. No doors on, them, on those Hot Wheels. <laughs> <laughs> so today, um, besides we're talking about doors and wheels, we're going to talk about like God and miracles and all this fun stuff. So, John, do you want to tell us a little bit about like who you are and what you do before we get into all this heavy stuff? Sure. Uh, my name's John. I go by the pseudonym counter-apologist. I've actually been doing this almost 10 years now. Uh, I am a Christian apostate, and I am an atheist, and I am an atheist in the sense that I believe there is no God. So I, I'm not one of those lack-belief theists. I defend the position that there is no God. And uh, basically, yeah, so basically, I... I was a Christian until I was about 28 years old. I was actually raised in a very fundamentalist uh, kind of a world. I went to private Christian school, young earth creationist schools, no less. Um, and then in college kind of fell away, went back into the faith, um, like my, got married in the church and was a trustee. I was very heavily involved as the main music, uh, the main sound guy for the church. I was like the first one there, one of the last ones to leave. I was... Uh, I did a lot of volunteer time. I became a trustee towards the end. Uh, And then I uh, have a deconversion video that kind of goes over all of the different problems that like led me away, uh, that led to my becoming an atheist. And then I did not like, um, I I tried to go back because I had a lot of family pressure and apologetics ended up like kindling a love of philosophy that I I didn't really have before, but it, it, drove me away from the faith ever more. Like I was like, these arguments are not very good. And I didn't like a lot of what I saw. There's obviously some very good resources, but I wanted to make make resources for people who were deconverting like I was. And mm-hmm. so that's what made me create the Counter Apologist channel. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy your channel. Like I'm not deconverting, but like I really enjoy listening to your videos. And like we've responded to some stuff, which really sparked this conversation on like miracles. Um, and like I found your channel very edifying, very fresh. And I enjoy... Um, your takes because you're not just like um, going after like low hanging fruit, but you're really like spending your time, like thinking about these things like thoughtfully and carefully. So I'm really grateful for your channel. I appreciate that. Thank you. I did. I did. I did watch you and uh, Bram. Uh, you did make me feel like an old man, you little whippersnappers. <laughs> but you know, uh, you got a high school kid taking apart my video, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely fun to watch. That's Bram. Bram's a real youngin. Um, he but... is. So are you, but that's fine. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about miracles. So maybe it'd be helpful, like, John, to start things off. Like, how would you define what a miracle is? Uh, so this is actually a very hard question, mm-hmm. right? And it yeah. gets super contentious, but I'm not – I don't quite understand why it gets so contentious. So I am a fan of David Hume's definition, and um, it seems conceptually clearest to me. And he says – that a miracle is a violation of the laws of nature. And in a lot of 
arguments trying to counter Hume, and there is quite a lot of ink spilled on this, they really go after his definition. Um, and I don't quite get why, because it, it's just a very basic concept if you boil it down, because you could try and do this a lot of different ways. But ultimately, um, is that you need the regular behavior of the physical world to be well established in order for a deviation from that behavior to count as a miracle, right? You don't mm -hmm. eat a whole bunch of Taco Bell nachos bel grande and then go on the toilet with stomach problems and they go, oh crap, it's a miracle, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's expected. It's part of how nature works. But if someone rises from the dead or walks on water and makes water into wine, that's a miracle that doesn't physically happen, right? That seems to be the core of it, right? You need to have some kind of regularity that is interrupted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great um, way to start things, John. Maybe like I'll say my definition, maybe you can say if like you can agree with it or not. I kind of like to think about it as like the idea of like an miracle is an event that would that wouldn't occur if God didn't exist. Um, it's a little vague, but then I like for me like one of my problems is, like is I don't like the whole supernatural natural thing, and that gets into consciousness, and so we don't need to get into that. Like it's just very messy, very quickly. Um, but like for me, like I think about it like where we have an event, um, and if an event wouldn't occur if God existed, um, then it, that would be like a miracle if God didn't exist. So like if we have some sort of event, like say like um, someone's like healed of cancer or like their cancer disappears. Um, let's say that like if that event wouldn't have have occurred if God didn't exist exist and i say that it's a miracle um i'm a little choppy so does that make sense to you john are you tracking do you mean to I, I see what you're saying i i think there are some problems with that mm -hmm. right so like you're kind of like we're exploring like the the, the phase of like the metaphysically um impossible so you know what? maybe my definition is the same problem so i was gonna be like well, what about magic right so like there's mm -hmm. non-theistic supernaturalist views that would be like well magic yeah do this. but mm -hmm. then then that would kind of be a violation of the laws of nature so it would also be a sort of a yeah. problem for my view so um i i think it's fine that i kind of just think of it as like so so miracles like this is we had a couple of questions to kind of cover and so like one mm -hmm. of them was like um you get into like how you know when a miracle occurs part of the problem would be like you know there's any act of god that is even if it's in accordance with the laws of nature, because sometimes cancers spontaneously do go mm -hmm. into remission outside of a religious context for an atheist, you know, in, mm -hmm. in, you know, that sort of a thing happens, but God didn't necessarily do it. God could have just caused someone's cancer to go into remission and it would have been a miracle because it was improbable. So there's like physically impossible miracles and then there's improbable miracles, right? And mm -hmm. so that's no less miraculous if God actually acted, right? Mm -hmm um yeah. than the physically impossible sort mm -hmm. so it, i think this kind of gets, gets into oh go ahead sorry no i was gonna say like i think this gets into like the wittgenstein where he talks about how like there's no like perfect definition of like a game that we can give um right there's no all-encompassing definition that can define a game but like, we have a general sense of like what a game is um for example like right. what's behind you and i think we could say a similar thing about miracles where we both have like a general sense of like what a miracle is even if we can't have like that perfect definition that satisfies every situation yeah, and I think a lot of the like, especially like you could do. You got to be careful with philosophy that you don't over. If you get too too specific, right, then you almost like rule things out definitionally, right. So like you can you can easily start setting things up to like beg the question one way or the other. And mm -hmm. so I, I I do think like the core of a concept is that it is something that has to be outside of the regular course of nature or like very unexpected at a minimum. Right. Mm -hmm. So like you have to have the regularity of nature before you get into 
something extraordinarily happening at the behest of the an, an action of God, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super helpful. Thanks, Sean. So maybe at this point, it may be helpful to look at, like, when would you say that we could say that, like, a miracle occurred? Right. So this is where the problem gets in, right? Because even if you define mm-hmm. miracle, how do I know it happened, right? Mm-hmm. And so then you have um, the improbable and the impossible, right? The physically improbable and the physically impossible. And what actually gets even worse here is that there's an inherent relativism of epistemology that comes into play. So it comes into like when it's rational to say a miracle happened and when it's rational to say it's not, and it could be the same exact sort of a thing. Uh, Randall Rouser has a great, uh, he's written a ton about this and he speaks about how like you could, he could give you a story of a, uh, an event happening with like a, a missionary in Africa, like, getting through customs when he was getting blocked because of somebody who was from the village he was sending medicine to that was had an expiration date very rare and like both an atheist and a th- christian theist could look at that exact same improbable event and can conc- make opposite conclusions and both of them mm-hmm. be rational based on their private prior background beliefs right so my objection my video that you and, and bram had responded to about this uh basically says the only way you could really know if a miracle occurred would be it would have to be of the physically impossible kind right mm-hmm. so it has to be something just phys- we know physically can't happen right and then it needs to be something that you can verify that it actually occurred right so like if you if i was an apostle at the time of jesus and i witnessed him die and then i have him come back and start talking to me that's an empirically verifiable miracle Flash forward to ascension into heaven. I got stories written 30, 40, 50 years later, right? And and I've got basically five pieces of testimony at best in the New Testament saying that this happened. Well, that's very different. Like even the verifiable sort fade into the unverifiable kind, right? As time passes, unless mm-hmm. you get into like weird persistent miracles of like rocks floating in space spelling out like Yahweh mm-hmm. is God or something. Yeah. Um, so I one of my thought experiment was um empirically verifiable repeatable miracle so a catholic priest and only catholic priests can turn water into wine when they say a prayer right mm-hmm. and like you could do this in controlled conditions you could do this before somebody's ordained or after they're ordained right and like go through like as empirically verifiable as science can make anything empirically verifiable you can verify that a, god was performing a miracle in a specific context right mm-hmm. and that's how like that's the one way i can think of for sure like like how I would know. Um, but I think there's actually a second way. So you got me thinking about this. So yeah. this is like a new thought experiment, right? So like uh, it actually all, every time I try to come up with this, it comes back to Hume, right? And so Hume's quote is, no testimony is sufficient to establish a miracle unless the testimony be of such a kind that its falsehood would be more miraculous than the fact which it endeavors to establish, right? So mm-hmm. If I had, so like, let's say we have like a pick a Christian, national Christian, uh, some, some, some people with a national Christian audience and they prophesy and they go, God is going to send a sign to all the Christian apostates around the world on Saturday. Right. And like atheist YouTube has a field day, right. Laughing Mm -hmm. about this. And then, um, we have, um, you know, all of a sudden that Saturday, a huge amount of dead Christian friends or relatives reappear to the Christian apostate, somebody like Ron Reagan and George H.W. Bush shows up 
and they like go, they go on TV dressing the National Mall, and they're having conversations um, with you that you, only they could have. They're telling you about heaven. They're giving you the correct answers to certain theological questions, right? And then you have this mass worldwide conversion, right? So there's people like me who have atheist channels who've been established for a long time. Matt Dillahunty, like pick people, right? Um, my camera's going fussy. Um, the they would basically. Um, yeah, your camera. Is... I think my light have lost video. Sorry. Oh, he's back. I yeah, I have to tap it. Apparently, it just started breaking tonight. Anyway, <laughs> all of these people like bring out their um, they bring out this testimony. I convert, right? So I have this mm -hmm. channel, and I I'm talking about my conversion. I'm talking about my experience. I got a selfie with my grandma, right? So I get all of this, and like it's all documented, and I have like. All of this documentary evidence from thousands of people around the world converting about this crazy event. It's documented in newspapers everywhere. So even like 100 years, 200 years down the line, like the mm -hmm. falsity of that event happening, right, given all the testimony I have and all this crazy conversion and everything else, would it would be more astounding that it didn't – that the event didn't occur compared to whether or not, um, you know, that we, then we have this testimony than the opposite. Mm -hmm. So like that would be like one way, which is like a massively widespread, empirically verifiable miracle happening, but like being extraordinarily well documented. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm tracking with you and feel free. Like if your camera is being crazy, you can um, just turn your camera off if you need to. Um, it's up to you. I'm going to miss seeing that beautiful beard. Uh, but you know, do what you got to do, John. But like, so, so thinking about your, your testimony, uh, not your testimony, your story. I do think that would be like an example of like here would be a miracle. Um, it'd be really hard to like go against saying that like oh no God doesn't exist or um, there's no miracle that happened here. Um, surely someone could make some sort of explanation, but it's probably not going to be a very good one. Um, so maybe one of these things I wonder then at this point, John, is like, do you think this is necessary um, to like establish to like say is a miracle occurred? Like what about like maybe like ordained testimony? Like you know like you'd run into and I'm sure you know a lot of people from your past who would say um, I've experienced God and there's been a miracle in my life. Um, are those kind of things like if they add up? Do you think they could be sufficient to warrant like belief in miracles? Um, yeah, where are you at on this? I I, I, re I really don't think so um, because mm -hmm. so there's there's like so when I, in my video the one thing I go around is there's like different types so there's the improbable and then there's the unverifiable miracles and then there's the impossible which can be unverifiable or verifiable right mm -hmm. and you have um, so so th there's uh, uh, let's just start. Let's just start with the basic categories of miracles. I have got so many different kinds of miracle claims from a mm -hmm. huge variety. Basically, almost every religion under the sun, mm -hmm. alive, current, and dead, have had miracle claims, testimonial, unverifiable miracle claims of the improbable and impossible sort, both. Right, and I have no instances of the verifiable, impossible kind that I can witness, right? And it just seems all too convenient to me to be mm -hmm. like, well, because it's just as easy for God. God is omnipotent, can do all things logically possible, right? So to tell me that all of these different religions that teach contradictory religious teachings, right, um, all have the same sorts of miracle claims, equally or better well attested, and I have none of the contemporary experience of which God could trivially do, right? It seems more likely to me that 
these other things are just misunderstandings or being people being misleading or those sorts of things rather than than not. Um, and I think this gets into and so like a lot of my critique is based on the resurrection argument, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of it has it has an evidentialist assumption baked into it, right? It's just mm -hmm. like here's this evidence that a miracle happened. And if this miracle happened, it is evidence for the truth of the theological teachings of Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And therefore, you should become a Christian and follow his theological teachings because his teachings are validated by the miracle, right? Mm -hmm. That is, an, it's, a, it's a completely evidentialist argument to convince a non-Christian to become a Christian, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I, am I saying something all on towards here? I maybe just repeat a little bit. I'm think I'm tracking with you. I just want to make sure we're on the same page, John. Sure. So, so the resurrection argument, right, is 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 there to is to present evidence to convince me that a miracle occurred, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the underlying assumption, the conclusion of that is that the miracle is evidence for the theological truth of the miracle of the, the theological truth of the teachings of the miracle worker. So I should become a Christian. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think right. that'd be probably right. Um, obviously, you'd have to do some more steps, I think, if you're going to, like, lay that out. Um, like, if I was making that argument. But I think, like, generally, like, when I think about, like, the resurrection, like, if the resurrection is, like, a historical event, then we have a miracle. Um, and if we have a miracle, we have to think about, like, well, what does that symbolize? Is there any, like, religious significance, like, behind that? Or is it, like, potentially, like, a miracle? Like, I think there's, like... I allow for the possibility, and I'm sure you know, like you've listened to these videos, that there could be like um, miracles or supernatural events in other religions. Um, but I wouldn't say they're truth. They would provide evidence for like that specific religion, because I think you have to look at like the religious context and like what is this miracle? Um, what's it trying to prove? Like, is it we thinking about like demonic beings or like God things like this? Um, and there's a lot obviously that could be put in here, and I'd encourage people to check out that response to really get into it. And I know you're inching to say something here. Yes. <laughs> so I I kind of get I'm really taken aback whenever mm -hmm. I hear a Christian. You certainly are not the only one I've heard. Even theologians like Randall Rouser, I would greatly respect. Right? You a lot of people who defend the resurrection argument, but like I can fully grant that miracles happen in the context of other religions. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is the absolute death knell to the resurrection argument like that mm -hmm. is the kiss of death there is it is inescapable like just kills the argument completely because the argument is there is that these miracles are evidence for the theological teachings of the miracle work right mm -hmm. when you watch these debates with these crazily high-paid apologists right and they're like the philosophers of phds and they they go through like the like steps of like you know the cosmological argument, moral argument, teleological argument, and then they always end with the resurrection, right? And it's there to be like, does the Christian God exist or is Christianity true? It all centers on the resurrection debate, right? On the resurrection mm -hmm. argument. And if you say that, like, once you've admitted supernatural level deception, so like demons or Satan or the devil or whatever you want to call them, can perform miracles like God can, now you have no objective way to determine which miracles are there for the truth to establish the truth of what God's true religion is and which ones are supernatural deception, right? Mm. You have obliterated any evidentialist case, right? And that is what the evident, the resurrection argument is part of an evidentialist case to become a Christian. Every yeah. piece of apologetics I've ever read, 
or seen. Mm-hmm. It, that, that is like a cornerstone of it for Christianity. And you, mm-hmm. at the minute you allow supernatural deception, I think you're, it's the kiss of death. You, you're, you're just done. Yeah, there's a lot, obviously a lot here and um, some parts I agree, some I don't, obviously. Um, so I think maybe one thing to think about here for me is I don't think of it as like deception. So remember, like, I'm not saying that like, so like say like I'm a Christian, I don't think that like necessarily like God is working um, miracles among amongst Muslims to commit convince Muslims that like Islam is true. I like the idea of like God allowing for like spiritual, other spiritual beings to exist, which is a very biblical idea. Like, I think it'd be really hard to like argue against like the idea of like demons or things like this. If you like believe in if Christianity, um, where God sort of allows these beings to exist and they may perform like certain like events or miracles. You could say like events that events that wouldn't occur if atheism is true. I don't even sure, know how to sure. say miracles. Um, so then in that sense, like, I don't really see it as deception. Then we have this question of well, like, which ones are the true ones, which is what you bring up. And I think, again, we have to really dive into specifically like the religious, um, the miracles that look at like the center of like religious claims. So we look at questions like the resurrection or like did Muhammad have like the, the word of God perfectly put on him or Joseph Smith? Did he like get those tablets the right way? And looking at specifically like the, mir- the miracles that like religions like hang and fall on are super important when thinking about like, well, which religion is true once we get into like this kind of um, aspect of things. Right. So I'm not saying that God is necessarily doing the deceiving, but I think God allowing other supernatural beings to perform what we would call a miracle, which in this case, you could you kind of call like magic or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like the names, the being behind the miracle happening actually is what what sort of matters. We're just calling it miracle as a generic sort of a thing here. Right. So yeah. like, yeah, you've got tons of evidence of this in the Bible. Right. So you've got Moses when he went to Pharaoh, he threw his staff down on the ground it became a snake and then the pharaoh's magicians did the same exact thing except mm-hmm. moses's snake ate their snakes it's like some kind of a you know dom power play move i guess um <laughs> but like the magic still happened right mm-hmm. like there's still their gods did things and so i think that but you still have what it, essentially what it is is that it's like the, it's there to show like my god has power right is what the miracles are done especially in the old testament where you see other magics being worked right and so the when you say well like if the miracles of joseph smith happened right is that not god validating joseph smith's teaching right and ironically Mm -hmm. there are christians who witnessed joseph smith's miracles who say it was from the devil right Mm -hmm. and i don't see how in the world it's possible to look at like if you admit that a miracle happened in each of these different religious contexts, which one came from God and which one came from uh, a, an evil spirit, right? I mm-hmm. just do not see any objective criteria that you could possibly put forward, especially given the nature of like religious um, religion informing local moralities, right? So if mm-hmm. you're in a heavily Muslim area and um, they talk about, um, you know, like, like all of a sudden you're like judge the teachings of Muhammad. Well, if you're, local moral local moral moral sensibilities are premised on islamic law of course they seem more moral hell those christians mm-hmm. can drink can drink alcohol those monsters right and so like all of a sudden these things like get judged in a different way right so like you have this relativism problem i think and everybody just gets to say well their miracles are from the devil and like i just don't see how you do it Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is part of like where it's really important to like look at like the arguments. Like you have to go beyond like um like I'm willing to say like for like individual like I 
for Christian, I would never say that like you can't like take your religion for anyone. You can't take your experience of the world and come to like conclusions because each one of us is really like when we're forming judgments and like God and the nature of the world, really going a lot off our experiences. Um, so our experiences are super important. Um, but I like I think it's in Harold Netland's new book on religious experience. He talks about this idea of like a critical trust model, uh, and I don't want to get into too much into like religious experience, but like with this idea that like if um the religion is true, then we have. Re- reason to believe that like our like perceived experiences are like reliable for example like if we had reason to think that like if you have like reason to think christianity is true you'd have reason to think that like your experience of god or miracles are like from christian from the christian god um and like maybe like islamic ones are false or demonic and the same thing could be applied to like islam like if you had reason to think islam is true that give you some reason to think that like your experiences or miracles are like from actually god so then i think to me it gets the question then of like well which religion seems to be true um and you have to look at beyond mere experience and really get into like the nature of like the arguments that we have on every side of the debate. So that's at least how I see things. So, I mean, yes, in the, in the sort of world of religious epistemology, um, one of the things that comes up, especially like on Alvin Plantinga's sort of reformed epistemology, mm-hmm. which is particularly pervasive, um, is that um, your background beliefs, like you're rational based on like interpreting if you're a Christian because you had testimony from a trusted source, like your parents, that Christianity is true. It is rational to believe it on that basis, actually. Right? That's at least on his on his view. And so you would interpret Christian miracles as uniquely true and, and Islamic ones as not. And this is why I say I go after the resurrection argument and not um, the resurrection wholesale or even the rationality of belief in Christianity or any other religion, right? Mm-hmm. Is that if you're going that route, then the the you can't the resurrection argument doesn't make any sense. You can't say, well, I'm already, I'm a Christian, so therefore I believe the argument for the resurrection and not the argument for the miracles of Sati Sai Baba, because the resurrection argument is there to convince you that the resurrection happened, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. like you wouldn't, re- you know, so you, you can't, it, it, what's doing the work is the properly basic belief in Christianity, not the actual evidence in the argument for the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm not necessarily like even a fan of Plantinga's way of thinking about these things. It's just to me like, well, if Christianity is true or like, insert any other religion is true then you'd have reason to think that like your experiences of like the divine or like miracles are actually like vertical they actually come from like god or things like that um so the i guess the problem with that there is that i think there's a there is definitely a problem insofar that you know that and this was even for me when i was a believer I was like, well, I have these religious I have these religious experiences i had these emotional responses to uh, church worship services and the problem with that is everybody else has them too. Every other religion, contradictory religions have them true, right? And so if all of these people earnestly tell me that they have this kind of sense of God talking to them when they're having their religious worship, right? And mm-hmm. it's so universal, regardless of what the religion is and what the religion teaches, well, then that tells me that Humans just have a propensity for the sorts of things when they put themselves in these worship situations. And it's far more likely that there's some kind of just a natural psychological response, especially given that you can have like hucksters or like people induce this sort of a thing. Like there's people who will do like magic things or like fake kind of revival things. It's like uh, cold reading and that sort of thing. There's like a, there's a bunch of atheist videos about it, but there's a guy like in the UK who was like famous for like doing this. And he was just like, yeah, man, I'm an... at the end. He's like, yeah, man, I'm an atheist. Like this is, here's how I did it. And he, he goes through it. And that seems to me a far more plausible explanation for my own experiences when I compare it to everyone else's around me. Right. So mm-hmm. like that, that, so that seems to me that even if there is a, 
sense, like a census divinitatis, so to speak, that it's not a reliable faculty, right? Because that, of the diversity? Because of the diversity, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. So maybe I give my take and I'll let you respond um, to that, John. But the way I think about it is like, say that like we're having like, um, there's a play, like we're all looking at a stage and like, and this is the very imperfect analogy, but here's how I kind of see things. Um, say that like the Christian sees like a monkey on the stage, the Muslim sees that there's like a tiger, um, the Hindu says there's like this cat, um, and the atheist says, no, there's just nothing on the stage. Um, you guys are all, see you're all different, you're just wrong. It seems like to me to say that, that since these would like um, these different views would be contradictory, it seems to me that we wouldn't necessarily say that like, well, there was just nothing on the stage. We just wouldn't have a good idea of like what it was. We, there'd still be something. Um, so for example, like when we're looking at like different like religions and different claims of different kinds of miracles and they may like be contradictory. To me, it seems like we, the best conclusion isn't that they're just like all false and that there's nothing, but that there's still something there. Um, maybe it's not a good argument to get from to a specific kind of something, but it seems to me like, well, there'd be still like, there's still good reason based off of like uh, miracle claims or religious experience to think that there's something happening. So I think, so this gets back into the framework that I had before where we're talking about like, so this is where like the numbers game kind of works against you, I think. And mm -hmm. this is um, indicative, especially of like Mike Lacona. This is how he likes to argue it. If you watch him do the right direction, he likes to just go um, and he, he commits what Paul Draper calls philosopher of religion, atheist philosopher of religion. Paul Draper calls the fallacy of understated evidence. So he takes a general fact that supports his view, but he ignores the specific fact that undermines it. So he talks about like near death experiences and like prophetic dreams of like a um, dream of somebody who died and went to hell who was non Christian and the person actually died at the time the person had the dream. It's very specific mm -hmm. stories he gives, right? And like like money coming in as a result of a prayer to like the exact cent amount, right? And he always gives them in the Christian context. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at it, you go, well, there's all of these sorts of near death experiences and all of these sorts of things and all these other different religions, right? And they all kind of have a natural explanation, improbable as they may be, or as embellished as the stories might be, right? But I have, you have this like near, it's, it's so widespread and it's such a huge number of these claims. And then I look at all this and I go, if you want to tell me that I have all of these kinds of claims, but they're all of the non-verifiable kind, and they almost all of them have effectively natural explanations or all secondhand sorts of weird things, and I can't verify it. But God could do the empirically verifiable kind, mm -hmm. right? What are the odds, right? Or is it, or is it just everybody's kind of misinterpreting things or putting more into it and overactive agency and all that? It seems more likely to me for the contradictory sorts of things, like why would a God do that, especially when all of these religions teach contradictory things? Mm -hmm. Right. It seems much more likely to me that none of them happen. Right. So do you either get like all of them happen, only some of them happen or none of them happen. Right. That's logically exhaustive of all the possibilities. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of look at all three of them and you go, well, if you go to the first one, then epistemologically, you're screwed from a specific religion context. Right. You might say, mm -hmm. all right, well, I guess there's something out there. Right. But you have no idea what it is. You have no evidential basis to do that. And you start kind of wondering why God would allow this um the sum the 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 some of them happen it's only yours that are true right then that becomes a problem of like well how do you know like how do you show that only yours are true and not theirs right mm -hmm. you have no non-question begging way of kind of sorting that out and then in my case in the last case what i think well because you don't have 
the verifiable kind, and they could be. Like, like there's just so many that I can't get something that's on video, right, that I could verify, like it was empirically, like I could test. Like, the, none of it is allowed to be that? Like, you're kidding mm-hmm. me, right? Like, it's trivial for a god to do that. So that's why it seems to me, that's what gives a little bit of evidential weight, I think, to the third option that none of them really are true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and looking at, like, your modified trilemma here, I'd lean towards kind of the first option, but not in the sense of saying that, like, God... um just as miracles in all religions. I would never, I would not say that. Um, if you're listening, don't worry. I'm not a heretic Christians. I don't think that. Um, so I like, I like, it's not just because I'm like trying to, it's just like, I'm pretty convinced like, yeah, that's not how things work. I would lean towards some sort of option where we have God um, working miracles in the Christian faith and then having like, um, it, there's like demonic beings and things like this. And, you know, we talked about this, so I don't feel like we have to get into yeah. it too much further. Um, but that's like when we're looking at like your kind of options, that's where I would lean towards and try to answer this question of looking at like the verse miracles um, or looking at like claims in other religions. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I just don't and I, I haven't seen very much literature on it or the, and the little bit I have seen is bad. And I like to point to the moral teachings. Right. Mm-hmm. Is to try and differentiate between like, well, this is why mine are true and yours aren't. And I think the, the relativism problem happens there, I think. Uh, even in my own deconversion, uh, one of the key factors for, for me was that Christianity, in my sense, had a false moral teaching. It taught that um, uh, same-sex relations and relationships are morally impermissible. And I had gay friends who were as in love as my wife and I were, are, right? They're married now. They've been together for, for, for almost as long as we had. And I couldn't call that what they had wrong. I couldn't call their love wrong. So... Like if there's a false teaching and moral teaching in Christianity, and I think that it, that is, um, then, well, then you're out. You're out the game, right? So like when you, if you if you're gonna go the moral route, you got problems with the relativity of morality, and then you're gonna get into what is and isn't moral. And if you say, well, it's moral because God commanded it, but here's my holy book that I proved by this miracle that I'm judging is true by the basis of morality, right? You got a big circle problem there, right? And I think morality is the only one I've ever really seen um, argued for for the context once you've, like, tried to discern between which religions were true and which religions' miracles were from God and which were from, like, um, demonic beings or something. I'm not familiar with any other ones. I'd I'd love to hear them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm just – I don't know how in principle you could give me that argument. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's different people like um, I believe John, John Peckham, who would have like some sort of like extending it even to the problem of evil, this idea of like demonic beings and God allowing them. Um, so there's there's stuff there, but we don't really have to get into it, I think, for today's conversation. Um, maybe, John, as we're getting closer to the end, like any other like topics or things you want to bring up here before we wrap up? Um, I think I don't really have too many other topics um, mm-hmm. specific to it. I just think that um, I guess part of the part of the big thing about miracles is obviously in the Christian context we're talking about the resurrection and we're talking about the resurrection argument, and I just in the way it's presented, there are two key assumptions in that uh, we'd mentioned this before. It's just that it's an evidentialist case. I'm presenting you with historical evidence, right? Mm-hmm. That Christianity that this miracle happened and this miracle happened is evidence for the theological teachings of Jesus. Therefore, you should become a Christian. And I think this is sort of at odds with the answer that apologists give to the divine hiddenness argument. And they say, um, God wants to keep us almost at an arm's length behind a veil of ignorance so that Mm -hmm. you could choose whether or not to follow God so that God doesn't make himself so well known 
It's so obviously well-known. This is why they say we don't have the empirically verifiable miracles, or at least some responses to the hiddenness argument say this, right? Um, kind of counteracts what you say with the resurrection argument used in that evidentialist way, right? And I think that historically, there's like a sort of methodological naturalism that gets employed. But even if you didn't, all of these relativistic problems with the different miracles and which ones are from the devil and which ones are from God, these all kind of just come to the fore. And so it's reasonable to not believe it or not. And so I, I think the, the entire approach sort of is flawed because of the epistemology problems with miracles. And then also it kind of contradicts with certain answers to the hiddenness problem. So mm -hmm. I think that's a, I think that's a particularly hard issue that isn't too often explored. Yeah, there's definitely something to think about here. We have this idea of like, well, God wants to, God is hidden um, because it allows for things such as like our freedom. Then we have like miracles that happen, which seems to maybe like go against like our freedom or like show like um, it's very obvious. And to me, like I think it's like I would say it's less about like um, God being like at arm's length, but more about there being some sort of like ambiguity. Um, so like you could have like God coming like close and intimate and experiencing God, but also having this like ambiguousness, if that's a word. Um, so that's kind of like, I think what I would say, but I have to think about that more. So I'm glad you brought that up, John. I th there is one extra problem, if you don't mind. So the, the yeah, last issue I think is, um, there's, is a, it's a kind of like a new sort of, of hiddenness and it's a problem for God's love, right? God's supposed to be all loving. He loves all beings equally, right? Um, all created beings equally. And the thing is, is that if you go to the Bible, right, especially the resurrection itself, you have a small subset of the population, very, very small subset of the population who knew Jesus, saw him die, watched him resurrect. They got empirically verifiable miracles. Even after Jesus' death, the apostles were empowered to work miracles on Jesus' behalf to show the truth of Christianity. He charged them to go out, right? Mm -hmm. And they did it. The Gospels say they did these things. So a small subset of the population got the sort of empirically verifiable evidence that would convince me I would convert back. Get me the Catholic priest turning the water into wine. I'll back. I'm, I'm Catholic again, baby. All of a sudden, all of these theological answers to the problem of evil that I find so unconvincing, I've got evidence that I have, I'm going to take it now. I'm back mm -hmm. in. Right. And so to say that you would give, and like Thomas, Thomas didn't convert on their testimony. He converted on face of, of in the face of the resurrected Christ. Right. So to, to say that God would give certain people, the empirical evidence that would convert them, but not others like me. And there's plenty others. Um, I think is its own form of problem of hiddenness and and a contradiction with the attribute of divine love. Yeah, there's definitely a whole other hiddenness problem that you bring up here, John. Sorry, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, let me throw this at you at the end. Sorry. <laughs> no, I know you're good, man. I understand because this is why I bring you on because I really value like your perspective and you're really thoughtful and things like this. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you you brought this up and it's something that um. Probably not going to respond to you tonight, but definitely something yeah. to think about. Um, so, yeah. I'd love to and see it. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we can do a whole other conversation on divine hiddenness because I really enjoyed this. And unfortunately, we're running out of time. It would be fun to do that yeah. maybe. So we'll see what happens. Um, well, thank you, John, for coming on. Any Anything else, a third problem you want to throw at me before we wrap <laughs> up here? Uh, no. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Happy Mario Day tomorrow, everyone. Happy Mario Day to everyone as well. Didn't know it was a holiday till John and I were talking. So, but thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, super grateful for you coming on. Um, John's channel at Counterbiologist is literally just added in the YouTube thing. So you can check that out. Really great channel, great content. Um, disagree with him on a lot, but it's definitely like really thought broken. Is if you enjoyed John here, I think you enjoy what he has to say and he'll make you better think you're whatever side of the fence you are on or the lack of belief you're on or whatever. So yeah, thank you so much, John. Really appreciated this conversation. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Thank you, everyone. Bye. We'll see you next time.